Welcome to the Poetry Exchange and to episode five. My name's Fiona Bennett. If you've been listening along to the podcast, you'll know that we've been inviting people to come and talk to us about a poem that's been a friend to them. And a big thanks to all of you who have been listening and indeed for your warm words of appreciation and encouragement and for sharing the podcast more widely. And welcome to those of you who are listening for the first time. This week's episode features a poem by contemporary American poet Dan Chilotti, and it's been a really delightful journey of discovery for us, and we're excited to bring it to you, and we hope you'll enjoy the discoveries with us. Thanks to our visitor Alice and to Dan for their permission to share the poem and the conversation with you, and thanks also to the Poetry Foundation and the Poetry Magazine where the poem first appeared. Slightly different format to the podcast this week, you'll be hearing the reading of the poem at both the beginning and the end, with Michael Schaefer giving the reading. This week's episode was actually recorded in 2014 at the wonderful Wise Words Festival in Canterbury in a 13th century chapel there, which is a very beautiful and magical space. We were joined that day by the very talented visual artist Alex McIntyre, And at points in the background of the conversation, you might hear the scratching of charcoal on paper. You might also hear some pigeons who came along to join the conversation, mainly in the roof, I think, and hopefully not too distracting. And unfortunately, there was a mobile phone in the room which we failed to switch off entirely. So sit back and immerse yourself in this conversation about compost, the poem that's been a friend to Alice. There is magic in decay. A dance to be done for the rotting, the maggot-strewn piles of flesh which pile upon the dung-ridden earth and the damp that gathers and rusts and defiles. There is a bit of this in even the most zoetic soul. The dancing child's arms, flailing to an old scar song, conduct the day-old flies away to whatever rank native is closest. Just today I was walking along the river with my daughter in my backpack and I opened my email on my phone and Duffy had sent me a poem called Compost. I read it to my little girl and started to explain. Before I was three words in, Selma started yelling, Daddy! Daddy! Snake! In the path was a snake, belly up and still nerve-twitching the ghost of some passing bicycle or horse. Pretty, Selma said. Yes, I said. And underneath my yes, another yes, the yes to my body just beginning to show signs of slack, and another, my grasping in the dark for affirming flesh that in turn says yes, yes, let's rot together, but not until we've drained what sap is left in these trees. And I wake in the morning and think of the coroner calling to ask what colour my father's eyes were. And I asked, why? Why can't you just look? And the coroner matter-of-factly says, decay. Do you want some eggs, my love? I have a new way of preparing them. And look, look outside. I think this weather has the chance of holding. 
Dan Gelosi. Dan Gelosi, yes. And okay. he was, I think he's either a master's student or a PhD student. Okay. Not very well known at the moment, but he was in one of the Poetry Foundation, um, one of those little pamphlets that they produce every month. I was just flicking through, and it was it was this one. He he had another one in there too, but it was this one that I really felt a connection with, mm. and I remembered. When so was that? <laughs> it was this summer. So I was working on a farm in Northern California. So I I suppose I was more attuned to earthy poetry, mm. maybe. So this is a relatively new friend. It is a new friend. And um, what kind of drew you to this? What, 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 how, tell, tell us about how it sort of speaks to you, I suppose. I suppose because normally when you have poems that are about decay or about death, they're usually very negative, but even, even that first line, there is a magic in decay. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's, he's entranced by it and he understands that decay isn't necessarily a negative thing. It's just cyclical mm-hmm. and we're all part of it. And then you've got you know, his daughter, and he goes back to memories of his father, and it's just, there's an understanding there that that's what life is. And he goes into that in a depth that could be quite shocking and ugly and horrible, but Mm. the language, like, flailing to an old Scar song makes that not so. It's sort of intriguing, the sort of shifts Mm. that sort of really took me by surprise. I suppose it kind of starts with a... With a kind of generalisation about something, mm-hmm. um, talking about something kind of abstract, and then it becomes much more concrete and talks about, you know, a guy walking down the thing with his daughter and really interesting with my daughter in my backpack. <laughs> yeah, yeah I love that was that. Arresting. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, and then, you know, and I open my email on my phone and it's all gone sort of naturalistic and day to day. And I think it's the <clears throat> suddenness of the jumps, which is an interesting thing given that it's talking about this natural compost slow thing. But actually what the poem is doing is something quite uh, more sudden than that. Almost miraculous to say a line like, you just look and the coroner matter-of-factly says, decay, do you want some eggs, my love? Yeah. Yes. But you know how like compost is like this layering of, you know, chucking everything in, isn't it? Mm. Oh, I hadn't thought about that before, yes. linking it to the title. Just piling all of these experiences, one on top of the mm. other. Mm. And even there's, there's the no, shape of it on right, the page. No, no breaks. Can I ask you to talk about pretty, Selma said. Yes, I said. Mm-hmm. And underneath my yes, another yes. Mm. The yes to my body, just beginning to show signs of slack. Yeah, I think for the first time... It seems like he's seen death as possibly being aesthetically pretty, or at least this snake being pretty in its death, and he finds that curious. And then the reader in turn is asked to to see if they could possibly imagine, you know, a a snake with all its guts out as being beautiful. Because this this girl, this daughter of his, hasn't yet been introduced to life, good, death, bad. And so she sees all these colours and all these things protruding that you know, interest her and finds them fascinating. Mm. And he's seeing that, mm. that she's being introduced to this for the first time. But she's seeing it as good because she hasn't been trained yet to think that's that's in the bad category. She's seeing the magic in decay. Yeah. <laughs> and then how do you understand this shift 
that happens after that moment. And I wake in the morning. I suppose at this stage he's thinking of his own experience with decay and linking that back to his father, his, you know, closest relative, probably, um, that he can relate to. And then it's like his father's reduced to a body. He's just calling to ask what colour my father's eyes were. And then <laughs> linking them back to eggs in the morning. Yeah, so turning it, turning, turning that decay into a positive thing again in, yes. in a sort of tongue-in-cheek way. As a young woman working on a farm in California, this poem about decay <laughs> is the one that's kind of grabbed mm. you. Do you know why that is? I'd never worked on a farm before, and the idea of it sounded very romantic. So going off, you know, working with animals just planting and hoeing and mulching and all of that. Like, I knew I'd be getting my hands dirty, but I never realised just how gross <laughs> a lot of the aspects were. Like, um, it turned me vegetarian, because there was um, one day where they were harvesting the chickens, <laughs> and then you put the chicken into a cone, because then it relaxes, and then, you know, they just, like, chop the head off, and I didn't want to be involved in that day, but... I think just the processes when you're on the farm, the life cycles, they were they were very, very present. They felt very present. You felt very close to them in a way that I don't feel when I'm here or, you know, at any time in England. And so I was more focused on it and more attuned to it. So when I stumbled across this, it was like, yeah, it's all just interlinked. And what led you to be working on a farm? I was looking for ways to travel that were very cost-effective, I suppose. So I came across this programme where you go and work on a farm for a number of weeks. They provide you with bed and board, and then you work, and then you can stay for as long as you want, as long as you get on. So when you read this, you were were you in the farm? Were you...? I think it was just before... No, it was when I was in the farm, because I bought the book just mm. before I went in. And then, you know, while I was there, I didn't have time to read because we'd get up at half five in the morning Mm. and then we'd often, you know, we'd be doing washing up after dinner and stuff because we were sort of the skivvies. Mm. But (laughs) you'd expect that. Mm. And so I only ever had time to read poetry. And have you looked at it again since you got back or was it just coming here that you thought, oh... No, I have looked at it again because I... Yeah, I enjoy that poem. Yeah, it's a friend. (laughs) It's not a friend in the sense that it makes me feel warm and cuddly when I read it. I I feel like it, it speaks a truth that you don't often encounter because it's uncomfortable. Maybe not in poetry. I'm sure people tackle it in poetry quite frequently, but it was just the manner in which he did that mm. I liked. I mean, there's something about these things just being piled into this poem and kind of jumping into this poem, which, you know, is kind of echoing for me with you jumping into <laughs> a very different world and a very different life and just... I can see a relationship between the bravery of this poem, because it's a brave thing to put those kind of lines next to each other. It's yeah. A, yeah, it's a brave and open thing to do, and uh, I can see a kind of a connection there. It strikes me that perhaps this is quite an unusual poem, or a poem about decay, ageing, uh, life for a, a young person to nominate. I think, I I hope you don't mind me getting too personal, but just, um, I've certainly been to a lot more funerals than I have weddings, and 
you know, my, my sister died when I was quite young and it's always been sort of hanging over the family a bit. It does, it does, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. And so I think that I've always been very aware of it and maybe more aware of it than someone else my age might be just because of that. So maybe I'm attracted to it because of that aspect. I'm not sure. But also I think it's good to think about death, not too much, not to brood over it, but mm. just to, it helps you be more present. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have that experience in a family that it, it's always there, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, but maybe also sometimes, like you say, you don't want to necessarily dwell on it. There is something that has to be moved, lived with and moved through. And there's some language here that is renaming some of that territory about death and ending yeah. in a new way, mm -hmm. which is, or in a different way. Because I say, as, as much as it's about decay, it's about rejuvenation or... Even, even though there isn't so much of that language there, there's at least the sentiment of it, because with decay comes that. And of continuance, I suppose, of having some eggs. <laughs> and starting again, and starting the day anew. And having a new way of starting the day. I love that line, a new way of preparing them. Well, Alice, it's just been amazing thank to meet you. you. Well, thank you very much for doing this. It's really been amazing to meet you and, <laughs> and to be introduced to this poem that found you and has now found us. Well, thank you so much for this. This was wonderful. Oh. I, hope you, I hope you do this lots again. Oh. <laughs> Alice, thank you. Right, we've got that recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Compost. There is magic in decay. A dance to be done for the rotting, the maggot-strewn piles of flesh which pile upon the dung-ridden earth and the damp that gathers and rusts and defiles. There is a bit of this in even the most zoetic soul. The dancing child's arms flailing to an old scar song conduct the day-old flies away to whatever rank native is closest. Just today I was walking along the river with my daughter in my backpack and I opened my email on my phone and Duffy had sent me a poem called Compost. I read it to my little girl and started to explain. Before I was three words in, Selma started yelling, Daddy! Daddy! Snake! In the path was a snake, belly up and still nerve twitching, the ghost of some passing bicycle or horse. Pretty, Selma said. Yes. I said. And underneath my yes, another yes, the yes to my body just beginning to show signs of slack, and another, my grasping in the dark for affirming flesh that in turn says yes, yes, let's rot together, but not until we've drained what sap is left in these trees. And I wake in the morning and think of the coroner calling to ask what colour my father's eyes were, and I asked, why? Why can't you just look? And the coroner matter-of-factly says, decay. Do you want some eggs, my love? I have a new way of preparing them. And look, look outside. I think this weather has the chance of holding. That was Alice talking to myself and Michael Schaefer with Michael with the reading of Compost at the beginning and the end. 
Thanks again to Dan Chalotti for giving us his permission to share the poem in this way. You can read more of Dan's work in his chapbook entitled Compost, which is published by Graying Ghost Press. So do seek that out for many more layers of discovery through his work. We've mentioned the Poetry Foundation and the Poetry Magazine where the poem first appeared. And they also produce a wide range of podcasts. So do, if you haven't yet checked out their offer, visit them at poetryfoundation.org. I'd also like to thank our editing team. Michael Schaefer and Alistair Snell have been at the helm of the audio files these last few weeks of our adventures with podcasts and doing fine work. So just a big thank you to them. The next episode will be along in a couple of weeks' time. So do hit subscribe to make sure that you receive the episode as it comes along. Finally, and most importantly, thank you to you for taking the time to listen to Poems as Friends. <laughs>